Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. I would love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. This morning, uh, we're going to have a look at destiny through obedience. We're in a series called Perspectives on Christmas. Um, Randall, Pastor Randall kicked this off on the first Sunday of December with talking about uh, prophecy and how Jesus was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Right through the Old Testament in a number of places, we see that Jesus' birth, Jesus coming to the earth uh, to bring salvation was prophesied. Uh, So that was the perspective of prophecy. Last week, Pastor Jim um, spoke about Mary and we had a look at what happened with Mary around Christmas. The perspective of her faith and the faith that it took her uh, to be able to do what God was calling her to do. So today I want us to have a look at how destiny is fulfilled through obedience. So we're really looking at a perspective of obedience, obeying God, and how we fulfill our destiny by obeying God and his word and what he calls us to do. Now, sometimes we can hear the word destiny And we think it's one of those nebulous things, it's sort of out there, it feels almost superhero-ish, something you might see in a movie. But destiny really is just what we are designed and purposed to do. Your destiny is whatever you were designed and purposed to do. The dictionary gives this definition, something foreordained. So your destiny, just like uh, when Pastor Randall was talking about Jesus prophesied in so many different ways, his birth was foreordained. The Bible makes it clear his birth was foreordained. And so it is with you and I that what God has called us to do has been foreordained. That's really what destiny means. Psalm 139 tells us that we are knit together in our mother's womb to be who we are. Knitting speaks of design. It doesn't speak of just, you know, being plopped out and some sort of conveyor belt or something. Knitting speaks of design, of being put together carefully with thought and with forethought and also with thought as it is happening. Psalm 139 also tells us that every single day ordained for us is already written in God's book. Every single day. So even before you were born, God had planned you, he had purposed you. Every single one of your days is already written in his book. Ephesians 2.10, and this is a, a scripture that changed my life. It says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he planned before time for us to do. I actually cannot think of a more destiny statement than that of a statement more clearly about destiny. God had a plan before you were born. And then when you came to Jesus, because it says created in Christ Jesus, so when you came to Jesus, you stepped into that plan. Why did we need to be created in Christ Jesus to fulfil the plan and purpose that God has for us? Because Jesus' work on the cross is the redemptive plan of God on the earth and every single person's destiny is about the redemptive plan of God on the earth. 
God isn't going to give you a destiny that is separate from his redemptive plan. And his redemptive plan came through Jesus on the cross. So the scripture says we are created in Christ Jesus. Um, the Bible tells us that in, in um, 2 Corinthians, it says that we are a new creation. When you are a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. As a new creation, you can step into the plan and the purpose that God has for you because that plan and purpose is about the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross and the redemptive work that God is doing on the earth. Colossians calls us God's co-laborers. God has called you. We sometimes can feel very insignificant, but have a think about this. Colossians says that as just as God is working on the earth to draw people to himself, you are his co-laborer. Another word we could say, we're his colleagues. Isn't that a cool word? Sounds very businessy. But God calls us his co-laborers. Once you are in Jesus, once you have received Jesus, you are part of God's redemptive plan. You have stepped into his redemptive plan. So that's really what it means. That's your destiny and that's my destiny. So what does all this have to do with Christmas? Good question. I'm glad that you asked. Christmas is a story of first how God himself in Jesus came to earth with a particular destiny. We would all agree that Jesus came to earth with a destiny. Jesus' destiny was the cross. This is all part of God's plan, his redemptive plan. And then it's also a story about people, certain people who fulfilled the destiny God had for them um, ahead of time. So the Christmas story is all about people stepping into God's redemptive plan and stepping into their destiny. Now, last week, Jim, uh, Pastor Jim read about Mary, so I thought today we'll have a look at Joseph in the Word. So if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, but it'll also come up on the screen here for you. Matthew chapter 1, and I'm reading from verse 18. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Pastor Jim's reading last week was from the book of Luke. So it was perspective of Luke, of what happened. This is the perspective coming from Matthew. So this is how the birth of the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Though Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now what that means is Joseph was faithful to the law, so the law says he could not marry her because she was already pregnant and she was unmarried. That's the law. And yet it says also he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. So he's a good guy. I'm glad to know that Jesus was raised by a kind man. But um, he's a good guy. So he doesn't want to humiliate Mary. But he's also a man who follows the law and the law says you don't marry someone who has done that because their behaviour is not acceptable for the law. But after he had considered this, that this is leaving Mary and actually had in mind to divorce her, even though they were engaged back in that day, if you were engaged to someone, you had already made vows in front of people. And so to even end an engagement, it wasn't like now, we can just sort of go, I'm not feeling it, see you later. Not like today, in those days, you actually had to go through the process of a divorce if you were engaged to someone. You already had 
a binding agreement happening. So it says, after he had considered this, divorcing Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. As I said, this morning we're having a look at the perspective of obedience. So what was Mary's obedience? Pastor Jim spoke about this last week. What was her obedience in this situation? When the angel told her that she would be the mother of the Messiah, in spite of all the, the fear that she was feeling in that moment, she responded, I am your servant, may it be to me as you have said. Now here we see Joseph's obedience in this situation. He's engaged to Mary, he finds out that she's pregnant and it's not his, but because he's a good man and doesn't want to humiliate her, he plans to end the engagement quietly, We'll just do this quiet thing. But then when the angel visits him and tells him it's all good, this is God's plan, Mary hasn't done anything untoward, you don't need to worry, he then changes his mind about ending his plans and he goes ahead uh, to marry Mary. In this story we see the shepherds. What was their obedience? What obedience did they do? They were minding their own business with their sheep and then first one angel... And then after that, a whole company of singing angels turns up. Can you imagine? They're out in a field with their sheep and suddenly angels are around them singing. And it says in the word, they were terrified, which I can understand. But the angel tells them, do not be afraid. This is good news. Now go and tell everybody. As was sung last night, go tell everybody. The shepherds immediately go and see the baby and then they tell everyone they meet, obeying, they believed it and they went and obeyed and they told everyone they met. And of course the biggest obedience of all, when God sent his son Jesus to the earth, when Jesus did his ministry life on earth, the Bible makes it clear that he did absolutely nothing except in obedience to the Father. He set aside every aspect of his own will and totally obeyed the Father and that was how he was able to fulfil his destiny as our Saviour. So what does it mean to live in obedience to God? What is living in obedience to God? Because it is the only way we will fulfil what God has planned and purposed for us. Number one, understand the difference between fear of the Lord and other fears. Understand the difference between fear of the Lord and other fears. See, there are fears that we are not meant to have. There are fears like insecurity, fears like intimidation, fear of the future, fear of other people. We can, I mean, maybe I should have looked it up. I can only imagine how many phobias people struggle with in this world, how many fears people live with in this world some to very extreme cases. But there are so many fears that when we are in Christ Jesus, we are not meant to have because we are secure in Christ. Amen? 
we are secure in God. There are so many fears that would try to come. You just watch the news and you can get filled with fear and anxiety, can't you? But there is one fear we are meant to have. And I sometimes wonder if we're so busy getting rid of other fears that we forget the one fear we are meant to have, and that is fear of the Lord. The Bible calls us to fear of the Lord. And in fact, Proverbs, I think it's chapter 9, I've got it there, Proverbs 9.10 says this, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's like you don't even begin to be smart until you understand fear of the Lord and you live in it. But what is fear of the Lord? What is it? Does God want us to be snivelling wrecks? Does he want us at his feet begging him for mercy? Is, is he some sort of egotist that needs us to be all terrified? Actually, the Bible tells us he's a good father who gives good, gives good gifts to his children. So what is it that he requires in fear of the Lord? I saw this definition and I thought this was excellent. It says fear of God is having, or fear of the Lord, sorry, is having a deep respect, reverence and awe for God's power and authority. It is a deep respect, reverence and awe for God's power and authority. See, we have all these other fears. In 1 John, the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. So when we have the perfect love of God, that casts away all the other fears. So if we find ourselves in life having all these fears, we need to give ourselves a greater understanding of the perfect love of God that is given to us. Timothy says God has not given us a spirit of fear, which is also can be translated timidity, which also works with the word intimidation. So you could say God has not given us a spirit of intimidation, but a spirit of power, of love and a sound mind. There are many fears that try to get us, but there's only one that God calls us to have. And it is not a snivelling fear. It is not a I can't sleep at night fear. It is not a begging, grovelling fear. It is a reverence and an awe for who God is. I personally think of it as my, for me to understand who God is compared to me. Who am I compared to God? That helps me understand what it means to have fear of the Lord. So what happens when we forget to have fear of the Lord? What happens when we forget to have proper awe, reverence and respect for God and who he is? Without proper fear of the Lord, we will live in fear of man or fear of people. The Bible calls it fear of man, but of course that means people generally. We can live in fear of other people. We can live worried about other people's opinions. I wonder, do you ever find yourself trying to get other people's approval? to the point where it becomes a concern to you. Does that person like me? Am I liked in this situation? We can be, get very caught up in wanting other people's approval. And when you place God first in life, you will always, always get plenty of opportunities to hear what other people think. You will always get plenty of opportunities to hear what other people think. Can you imagine the moment that Mary told her family she was pregnant? when she wasn't married, considering they were all living under these strict laws, not like today where it's a bit easier for people. I wonder how many opinions Joseph got 
when he said he was going ahead with his wedding to Mary and people knew that she was pregnant. How many opinions do you think Joseph got from his mates and other people around him? See, the approval of God had to count for more than the approval of people. The approval of God had to count for more than the approval of people. Obedience to God had to be more important to them than what all these people thought, than the expectations of people and also maybe expectations they had for themselves. What would have been the expectations they might have had for themselves? I think it would have been that Mary as a virgin would have married Joseph, they would have raised a family and lived a quiet and righteous life in the suburbs of Nazareth. But God wanted to bring righteousness to earth and so they stepped into God's plan which was very different from their own expectation and from other people's expectations. If we want to fulfil our destiny before God, we need to be able to set aside people's opinions and obey God. Without proper fear of the Lord, and I say proper fear of the Lord, because there is improper fear of the Lord. There are, I had a friend say to me once, every time I trip over, I think, why is God punishing me? What have I done? And she said, that's from stuff that was taught to her as a young person. That is improper fear of the Lord. If you trip over, God isn't punishing you. I have a habit of falling, so I need to know that. I've fallen quite regularly, haven't I, lately? The little bone breaker that I am. But uh, you are not being punished by God when you fall over or something like that. That's why I say we have to have the proper fear of the Lord, the kind of reverence and awe that he calls us to have. Without proper fear of the Lord, we will live first and foremost by our own will. If we don't fear God in the right way, we will just live by our own will. Obedience to God will crash against your will. Obedience to God will crash against your will. See, my will, my will wants to be selfish. My will wants to be prideful. My will wants things that maybe aren't meant for me. My will will cause me to be envious of people who have things that I don't have or have something that's nicer than what I have. My will, my will, my will. See, our will will always crash against who God calls us to be. And if we don't understand and reverence God in the right way, we are just going to walk by our own will. What if Mary had said, no way, I'm not dealing with this drama? She would not have birthed the saviour of the world. What if Joseph had not believed the angel? He would have abandoned Mary and he would not have raised Jesus as he was destined to do. Jesus himself sweated drops of blood before he went to the cross and he said, not my will, God, Father, but yours be done. He submitted his will to the Father. If you think of the Lord's Prayer, right at the start, it's, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your, will be, your kingdom come, your will be done. See, that prayer, we can pray that as a general prayer, oh Lord, let your kingdom come on this earth. What does it mean when God's kingdom comes? God's kingdom is a personal rule and reign of God in our lives. So when we say, Lord, your kingdom come, we're saying, God, you rule and reign in my life. I submit my life to you. I'm asking you to rule and reign in my life. 
your will be done. What are we saying? God, I'm going to put my will down. I want to live in your will because that's what I have been purposed and planned, what you have purposed and planned for me to do. See, that can be a very general prayer, but I also believe it's a very personal prayer. It's a very personal prayer of Jesus. Lord, I will do what you are calling me to do, Father. Without proper fear of the Lord, personal pride will override humility before God. God calls us to humble ourselves before him. To take the path that Mary, Joseph and Jesus took, they had to humble themselves before God. There's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 6. It's a fantastic story. We see King David and he's rejoicing before God and he's dancing He's praising God and he's dancing. He's so, the Bible says he danced with all his might. He even shed his kingly garments so that he could dance more freely before God. And he's dancing, he's praising God with all his might and he didn't hold back and he didn't care what anyone expected of his dignity because his whole focus was to give God the glory and God the praise. He goes home and his wife says to him, well, didn't you make a fool of yourself today? And I love his answer. He says to her, it was for the Lord. It was not for your opinion. I did it to give glory to God. This dance was not for you to give your opinion to me. I didn't do it for you. His response is amazing. And then he says, and I'll become even more undignified than this because he just wanted to give glory to God. He is king. He is the most powerful man of that time, and yet he understood who deserves the glory, who he needed to give the glory to, and it didn't matter what his wife had to say. And the ending to the story is very telling, because the Bible tells us that after this, his wife actually was barren. So I think it's bringing us a picture. If we don't treat God with the right reverence and awe, and serve God and we will not be fruitful. We can't be fruitful unless we walk with God in the way he's calling us to and we will not produce what we were designed to produce. Jesus had so many opportunities to show off his power but he only acted in obedience to God and in fact in the desert uh, Satan tempted him with the same temptations he brought to Adam and Eve. We know that Adam and Eve fell into those temptations and Jesus was tempted with the same ones. Pride, self-gratification and glory. Had Jesus fallen into it, he would not be our saviour today. He would not have been the saviour of the world. You know, there are so many things, as I said, that we can fear. We can have so many fears of things and I'm, I'm the same. And I've had to deal with fears and, you know, work my way through different things and different fears. But what I found is that if I just come before God and humble myself before God, and I promise you I'm not there yet very much, just on the path, but I find if I do come and I just humble myself before God and declare his greatness and declare his goodness and declare his love, those other fears really start to go away. You know, if we humble ourselves with God, we will really see that thing Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. And secondly today, um, and we're just drawing to a close on this, obedience is a sign of trust. Obedience is a sign of trust. When the shepherds heard what the angels told them, they immediately went to see. They trusted what the Lord had said to them. They trusted the word. Mary trusted the word and in Luke 2 it's recorded it says that she treasured those words in her heart. 
she trusted. And when she visited her cousin Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, Elizabeth said, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Whatever or whoever we turn to first when we face a challenge or a difficulty tells us who we are trusting. Who do we turn to first when we have a difficulty or a challenge? Are we going to the Lord first or are we trusting someone else? Whoever we lean on in life tells us who we are trusting, who we trust the most. Are you leaning into God? Do you lean into God in your life? We trust the sun to rise every morning. I think we can trust the one who put it there and keeps it in place. Amen? Why don't you stand with me, please? I'm just going to pray for us. The musicians are going to come and we're going to close with a song. just going to pray for us over this Christmas time that we and, and anyone watching online, thank you for watching, that we will truly live in that place where we, we understand who God is compared to us, that we can live in that reverence, awe and respect that God deserves. Amen. This is a room full of people with destiny, what God has purposed you to do. And don't be frightened of that word because I'm not talking about some massive thing that, you know, it doesn't have to be. Our destiny is to obey God and do what he has called us to do. That's our destiny. Mary obeyed God and fulfilled her destiny to be mother to Jesus. Joseph obeyed God and fulfilled his destiny to be a father to Jesus and to raise him. The shepherds obeyed God and went and told everybody that this good news was happening. Jesus obeyed God, obeyed the Father when he was on earth and he went to the cross, even though it was such a terrible thing to save you and to save me. They fulfilled their destiny simply by obeying God. And God calls us to that same place of obedience. Amen. So this morning, as we're coming to the end of this year, I know for me, I just want to walk even more strongly in obedience to God, to hear his voice, and when I hear his voice, to act on his voice. What I read in his word, that's what I'm doing. Not other things, not sort of working around the edges, not kind of seeing what I can get away with, but just to walk in obedience to God so that everything that he requires of me in my life will be fulfilled. And if you're the same, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand to the Lord today as I pray this prayer. I'm just going to pray, Lord, I just want to obey you. As this year closes and New Year starts, I want to go to a new level of walking in obedience. Heavenly Father, thank you that we are here today. Thank you for the privilege to speak your word today. Lord, my hand is raised and I see other hands raised this morning. And Lord, we declare today we want to walk in greater obedience with you, Lord.
I pray that you'll help us to understand your word, give us revelation of your word so that we can walk more in what it says, live by what your word says. I pray, Lord, that you'd open our eyes to your truth, that you'd open our ears to hear your truth, Lord, and that we would walk in it every day. I thank you, God, that you planned and purposed every person in this building even before they were born, Lord. And Lord, you love them and you brought them here to be and design them perfectly as you have decided uh, for that plan and purpose. And so, Lord, I pray for every one of us now, Lord, that we would walk in that, that we would fulfil the destiny that you have for us. Lord, that we would fulfil everything that you have called us to do so that when we get to that place, Lord, you definitely will say, um, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray for every one of us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.